The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Prescription for Success with your host, Dr. Emil Haldi. Each week, we come through the myths and facts about health and wellness in order to bring you the best advice and the right information that you need to live an incredible life. Now, here is Dr. Emil Haldi. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. We have prepared a phenomenal show for you. Today, we will talk about pain and healing. We'll also discuss an opioid epidemic facing America. Pain is the word we hear often. Pain affects more Americans than diabetes, heart disease, and cancer combined. Pain is cited as the most common reason Americans access the healthcare system. Pain is also a leading cause of disability in the U.S. We have a real epidemic here. Yes, it's an opioid epidemic. Think about this. Never, numbers never lie. In 2015, 2 million Americans had a substance abuse disorder involving prescription pain relievers. Every day in the United States, there are 115, yes, 115 deaths related to opioids. Four out of five heroin users abused a prescription opioid first. These numbers are absolutely scary, and we all should be concerned. The whole nation, from doctors to economists to politicians, is in search of a solution to help ease the crisis. It's a major crisis. And today, I have two amazing guests with me that will give you more options if you or your loved one is in pain. My first guest is Dr. Casilda Balmaceda. Dr. Balmaceda is a medical doctor specializing in neurology with a very busy practice in New York City. Dr. Balmaceda is affiliated with many top-tier New York hospitals, Columbia or New York Presbyterian, Bronx, Lebanon, just to name a few. She's an avid researcher, a prolific writer, and a published author. Dr. Balmaceda continuously incorporates new treatment options into her practice for the benefits of her patients. Nutritional supplements, adaptogenic herbs, compounded transdermal medications are some examples of her integrative approach in treating her patients. Her interests in alternative medicine go beyond pain management and neurology. She also tackles topics such as menopause, sexual dysfunction, and other hormonal imbalances with a skill and knowledge of an expert. Welcome to the show, Dr. Balmaceda. Thank you, Emil. Thanks for having me this afternoon. I'd love to be here. I love having you here. We're going to have a lot of fun. My second guest is Lisa Ludovici. Lisa is a medical support hypnotist. She helps people relieve pain and suffering, speed recovery, prepare for surgery, regain health, and prevent illness. She's a frequent guest at major hospitals and clinics to teach physicians about how to how hypnotherapy supports medicine. She works with individuals and groups to understand and harness the mind-body connection. Lisa worked at the VA hospital, Department of Neurology, and helped veterans eliminate physical and emotional pain. Her work is published in the Archives of Physical Medicine and Rehab. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I love having you here, both of you, Dr. Balmaceda and Lisa. We're going to have a phenomenal, phenomenal show. So, Dr. Balmaceda, let me first start with you. Uh, 
a practicing urologist, but I want the audience to learn more about you and how did you get into the field of neurology and especially neuro-oncology. It's a very unique field you're in. Thanks, Emil. I was born in Argentina and grew up in Puerto Rico. I got interested in medicine at a very young age because my grandfather was a uh, physician in the uh, Pampas, the Gauchos in Argentina. Before doing my medical career, I was a civil engineering where I got a lot of background in basic science and research, hence my interest in research and pain management. After that, I went to Columbia Medical School at PNS where I did my uh, medical school. Uh, and then I did my fellowship in pain management at Memorial Sloan Kettering after my residency in neurology. Uh, having a mother who is a painter in Puerto Rico and an artist, I was trying to look for a field that uh, combined, if you will, science from my engineering background. Uh, I'm a medical background with art and human expression. And uh, the best field for me was neurology. I became interested in neuro-oncology when I was a resident uh, in neurology. My first patient was a trumpet player from Harlem who unfortunately became paralyzed from metastatic disease to the spinal cord. And I said, I've got to got that pain better. I've got to get this patient better. And lo and behold, there was medicine and art and pain management combined. So that was the beginning of that. And that was 1985. Wow. Um- it's. I just learned something about you. I know, you and I we know each other now for about five six years, and both at looks least. like yeah. At least like you and I have been inspired by our grandparents. My grandfather was a physician yes. as well, who inspired me to go into medicine or pharmacy, and here we are. Uh, so it's it's very nice to share that background with you. I know it's uh, probably means a lot to you to be inspired by uh, one of your grandparents. So you you are a neurologist, and you treat wide variety of conditions, peripheral neuropathy, uh, fibromyalgia, radiation burns, shingles, trigeminal neuralgia, just to mention a few. And and, and we could add 15, 20 other conditions to the list. Can you please share with the audience your thoughts on using different pain options, but going into the topical transdermal medications as as one of the possibilities? Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, I would like to emphasize that pain is a very uh, important part of our lives and lack of pain should be more important than that. So I think it's very important that we all know that uh, pain, both as from the physician point of view, from the healer point of view for Lisa, uh, from the your point of view as a, as a pharmacist, it's very important to treat pain because Pain is a very, very, very damaging condition, not only physically, physiologically, but also emotionally. So I think it's very important that the pain crusade keeps going on. Uh, I myself came from the background uh, from Memorial Sloan Kettering of treating pain initially with narcotics. Uh, I was a fellow at Memorial in 1991. So the treatments were Percocet or morphine, et cetera, et cetera. And little by little, as I developed my practice and became more uh, aware of other things and became more confident with my own clinical diagnosis, um, it became more and more clear that pain is a multidisciplinary condition and that the best successes, best patients that I've had are the ones in which we combine everything from oral medications to transdermal medications to hypnosis to acupressure, acupuncture. And those have been really the great successes in my career when you actually say, 
let's think out of the box. Let's treat you with something else that is not just an oral medication. So I do believe that uh, pain needs to be understood very well. Each, each patient perceives pain differently, and the consequences of pain into his or her life are completely different. And uh, we need to approach it in a multidisciplinary way to be successful. Absolutely. As a compounding pharmacist, uh, you, you and I know it well that we always look at the triad of care where there's a provider, a physician or a team of mm-hmm. providers. There's obviously a patient on top and, and there's a compounding pharmacist who prepares the medicine uh, for the patient. That's kind of my, my world in a compounding pharmacy. So, uh, Lisa, let me go to you for a second. You are involved uh, in treating pain. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in the field uh, of medical hypnosis. Thank you. Um, It wasn't exactly a straight line. Um, Many people that get into this field, usually they have some personal story that got them there instead of, well, I read a good book and I, you know, thought it would be really cool to do this or interesting. Usually some big life event happened to get somebody into this field. Uh, My background is in corporate America for about 20 years, and I worked for some of the largest media companies in the world selling advertising. And um, at the age of three, I was diagnosed with chronic debilitating migraines. So I had about 17 migraines a month my entire life from the time of diagnosis at three up until they went away. So um, the story is kind of inner, there's an interwoven piece here. So when I was in corporate America, um, the industry was changing. It was becoming less of a vision of what the internet was becoming because it was becoming. It was becoming more technology. And I was also becoming somebody different. And while I was in corporate America, I was doing a lot of things on the side, like going to coaching school, working with people um, as a coach. And the thing that I noticed was every week the person came back stuck. They were still stuck. Even though we had these action plans and things to do for the next week, they still were stuck. And so it felt very frustrating to them. And it was frustrating to me because I was not very helpful um, because there was something deeper going on. So fast forward, um, I made a decision to leave corporate America. It was kind of a um, leap of faith. And I wanted to do something where I could really be impactful and live with a sense of alignment of who I was. And ultimately, I was watching a locally produced show that was um, by the Coaching Federation, the International Coaching Federation, uh, which I was a part of. And I was listening to this woman speak about the subconscious. And I thought, oh, my favorite subject. I've always really embraced um, self-awareness and self-empowerment and um, um, using our own internal um, abilities to better oneself. So I was listening to her, and she was talking about how um, she helps people to find relationships, and she does it through her education of hypnosis. She was a hypnotherapist. So I immediately got to the internet. I looked up her on LinkedIn. I looked at the school she went to. I contacted the school. Um, I talked to her for a couple of hours the next day about, well, what is it that you do as a hypnotist? And within a week, I'd made the decision that I was going to school for hypnotherapy. 
And I thought it would be a really great way for my own personal development and to learn how to really be impactful when working with people and coaching. Well, that was the tip of the iceberg. So I left New York and I went to, at the time, it was Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I went to the the Hypnotherapy Academy of America, which is one of the most, um, the broadest and deepest education you can get in clinical hypnotherapy. I was taught by medical professionals, um, medical hypnotherapy. And when I was in my... uh, Eighth day there, I was sitting there with my finger stuck into my eye, pushing. And uh, we were in the middle of a break in the morning, and the director came over and said, what's going on? Are you okay? And I just looked up, oh, yeah, yeah, I just have a migraine. And that was very common for me. Very rarely did I go three days in a row without being in a migraine, going in, having one, or coming out of it. So she took me into her office, and we did what we call an emergency session because it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. And in nine minutes, she did a, um, a guided hypnosis using metaphors to help put my body into parasympathetic where um, the pain is ameliorated. And from there, I hired my own hypnotherapist who was a teacher at the school and also a university professor. And I did 10 weeks of sessions with her privately. We were practicing with each other for 10 weeks, um, fellow students, and then we were in group hypnosis at least um, five times a week. So I did a lot of work with this. However, the very last day I ever had a migraine was February 9th, 2010. So I'm nine and a half years, 100% migraine-free. The triggers are gone, um, humidity, air travel, certain flowers, certain foods, too much sleep, not enough sleep, stressors. We all have stressors. It's a part of life. Um, And when I came back after the 10 weeks of full-time adult accelerated education, uh, I realized this is what I must do. You have to share this with the world. Yes. So I have dedicated my life to doing that ever since. And so I specialize in pain elimination Uh, specifically because of my own story. I work with a lot of other things. However, that is my specialty. And and pain is pain, whether it's a migraine, whether um, it's nerve pain or, um, you know, pain from the negative effects of of treatments like chemotherapy. Um, I work with all sorts of pain. So this is very powerful, and one of the reasons we're having this discussion, we want to give our listeners a choice, right? And one of my mentors uh, always says, people with more choices and more options have better lives. So for our listeners out there, we want them to have these options. Uh, there are very unique options that you are discussing with us, very unique options that Dr. Balmaceda is utilizing in her practice. And we want our listeners to know and share that with their families, friends, loved ones, these are potentially life-saving options for a lot of people in pain. So, Dr. Balmaceda, uh, let me go back to you. In one of the videos that you have posted online, you talk about non-neurological conditions such as osteoarthritis. And you also discuss herbal therapies that you prescribe for your patients and customized topical pain management therapies that you prescribe for patients with uh, osteoarthritis. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, Emil. Um, uh, as I, meant, I mentioned before, I think that uh, a very 
comprehensive uh, approach to pain management. And now we will include hypnotherapy. Thanks, Lisa. Thank I uh, think it's extremely important. And one of the things that I, I see in my patients is that as we age, we our kidneys may not be as good as they are because we have been taking many much Tylenol and Nadville and naproxen through our lives. So we have to be very cognizant of uh, how other drugs that we uh, take orally can impact our body, specifically anti-inflammatory medications, which, as you know, have been kind of a, uh, somewhat looked down upon by the cardiologists because there is a concern for cardiovascular risk and the non-steroidal. So that led me to think about other things that we could use um, for uh, pain medication or for pain uh, alleviation. And I started looking at uh, herbal medications, uh, for example, at uh, essential oils, which I think are very important. Uh, the variety of agents uh, that are very commonly used for pain and also for topical medications. The, the, the beauty of a, of a topical agent, and that's what you know, eventually led you and I to meet many yes. years ago, is that one could have localized penetration into the more susceptible areas. Um, while we are also dealing with other parts of, of the pain cascade, if you will, with medication. So not every pain has to be addressed by taking oral medications. For example, uh, we can say a patient with a, a pain that is really bad has low serotonin. We can use medications orally that increase your serotonin. But for the localized pain, topical agents are wonderful. Number one, they have localized penetration. They have very, very little toxicity. Um, number three, they're very easily uh, applied. And again, for all of us who are, at least me, <laughs> over 50, um, we want to minimize that uh, constant uh, taking of oral medications. Now, I should say that um, after working uh, with uh, compounding uh, pharmacies, yours included, Emil, um, it's very important that we have a kind of a very much of a working relationship with the pharmacist because what is good for one patient may not be good for another one. And there's so many different um, uh, agents that we can actually include in a uh, topical uh, product. Yes, um, absolutely. I think working with a practitioner, um, whether it's a physician, a nurse practitioner, or a phys physician assistant, in preparing customized medications, it's absolutely crucial. Sometimes we put five, six, seven, eight medications in the topical preparation and making sure that all these medicines, even though they have different mechanisms of actions, they work together to address patients' pain syndrome. And it's it's a truly a pleasure, Dr. B, Dr. Bamaseda, to speak to you about how you are really pursuing do-no-harm approach. Because if a lot of elderly patients it's very easy for you to prescribe a, a, an oral medication because it's probably easier just to send them an OE scribe to a pharmacy and they go ahead and get it. But it may not be the best option for the patient. So that's truly, truly um, amazing that you pursue customized approach uh, for your patients. Absolutely. And uh, the, sky is, the sky is our limit in terms of what kind of things, what kind of agents we can actually put on uh, compounding, right? So there's still many things that, as Emil, as you said, they are conventional medications, but we actually can put them in a topical way and they actually work peripherally. And also there's a variety of things that are still to be developed, which are more on the uh, natural uh, uh, realm, if you will. So like peppermint, uh, capsaicin, lavender, etc., which are wonderful for pain relief, both at uh, in the oral ingestion and also in the uh, essential oils, 
which potentially could be used as well as a topical agent. Yes, um, absolutely. One of the points that I want to make to our listeners, we do have physicians that are listeners as well. If you are choosing a compounding pharmacy, it's really important for you as a physician or as a practitioner to make sure that you choose a PCAP accredited compounding pharmacy. That's uh, PCAP stands for Pharmacy Compounding Accreditation Board. It's a, uh, it's a third-party verified pharmacy or certified by a third party, and it uh, helps physicians make sure that there's quality and consistency of the products. Dr. Balmaceda, opioid epidemic is truly, truly a crisis in our country. We have a lot of people who need, who need those narcotics or, or pain medicines, and uh, we have people who abuse those. In my experience, uh, I know topical medications can potentially help that crisis. What are your thoughts first on the crisis itself uh, and use of pain medicines and also topical medications? It's a very, very uh, vast subject. I think that uh, the opioid epidemic has hurt and has affected us all as patients and as healers uh, because uh, it is not easy to apply uh, not easy to apply one management uh, algorithm to all patients. And uh, not everybody can be tapered off opioids. Not everybody can take 30 milligrams of a morphine equivalent. So it's been very difficult uh, for both physicians and for uh, patients as well. I think the opioid epidemic is uh, a very current problem. I have been able to, thank God, take down some patients using alternative medic- uh, therapies such as compounding, such as topicals as well. Uh, maybe not take the patients away completely from the opioids, but actually uh, decrease their um, the consumption of the opioids significantly and provide a sense of relief because what happens is that when you actually take the patient uh, down, there is a little bit of, of withdrawal phenomenon as well. And the patients really need to have some kind of replacement for alleviation of pain as well. So right. it's a very, very significant problem, extremely uh, poignant and uh, very uh, active in our day-to-day practice. Yeah, and and affects uh, uh, pharmacists, affects patients, affects other practitioners, because uh, I, as a pharmacist, I speak to doctors who actually are afraid to participate in the treatment plan. And it's very sad for me to see that we are at a point where physicians, healers, people who want to do good, who spend years to be educated and, uh, and, and basically give their life to medicine, are afraid to treat their patients the right way. It's truly amazing how much of a problem it is. Mm -hmm. And and that brings the point that uh, for those practitioners who may be listening um, who are are using narcotics, uh, it will be a great idea to try to kind of think out of the box and use other agents, you know, topical agents, physical therapy, hypnosis, et cetera, to really try to uh, give some depth to the uh, pain treatment, both for your own sake and for the patient's sake. Yes. Um, well said. Dr. Palma said, if you were to think about a patient who was successfully treated, um, maybe you decrease their opioid dose, maybe introduce topicals, can you give us a quick case of that patient? Absolutely. Um, so I have a, uh, a patient of mine, actually, who um, wonderful, the wife of uh, one of my uh, people who works, uh, who works at Columbia, and uh, she had severe, severe um, osteoarthritis, very young, no, fairly young, 68 years old, but very severe osteoarthritis of the knees, uh, not 
heavy, very slender. Her husband came and brought her in. She says, Dr. Bowman said, you take care of her because she won't even dance. So I, uh, her legs were dangling out of the wheelchair because she had severe arthritis and she also had severe diabetes and a lot of allodynia. So when I touched her feet, she was in severe pain. So uh, she had been on the usual uh, medications for neuropathic pain and for osteoarthritic pain, including narcotics and non-steroidals. Um, and, uh, but things would not change. Uh, and, uh, again, would not even be, in, be able to put socks on during the winter because she had so much pain in her, in her feet as well. And, uh, actually with your help, I don't know if you remember that one, but with your help, um, uh, we developed a, a cream that she was able to actually her husband put it on her feet, um, twice a day. Um, and her pain just significantly, significantly decreased. Um, allodynia got better. Uh, she was able to stand. And the next time she came in, she actually had danced in her son's wedding and was not in a wheelchair anymore. So it was a wonderful, okay. wonderful story. And I still have rest of my patient. Oh, wow. That, that's it's very touching. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sure it's very rewarding. This is one of those moments where you say, where you say to yourself, this is why I became a doctor. This is why I want to help Absolutely. you so much. Um, yes. l- let's talk about herbal medications. And I know you use mm-hmm. that in your practice and you talk uh, in, in some videos about herbal medicines. What types of yes. herbal medications do you use in your practice? Um, so I, I use a lot of um, medications such as ginger, for example. Mm-hmm. I use lavender as well. Um, we use also essential oils as well, for, particularly for patients with migraines. Um, and sleep disorders, I think that uh, the herbal medications are very, very important as a component of the pain therapy. Um, There's a lot of research uh, being uh, done as well. For example, even yerba mate from my original country, Argentina, is currently being used for pain and for dementia. So what I, my imploration to the patients is please let me know what you're taking so we can actually make a good uh, collaboration. Uh, I think that uh, pain med- uh, herbal medications are very, very important if given uh, appropriately and with correct doses. So usually lavender I use, eucalyptus I'm using a lot, um, as the ginger as well, and fever few. Wow, excellent. Dr. Balmaceda, I hope you're having as much fun uh, enjoying this discussion as I am. Uh, our first episode is coming to an end, but I want to give an opportunity to uh, give your final farewell message to our listeners. My message is that pain is there, but pain can be successfully treated. Keep high, high, high hope, hopes up and uh, please make sure that your pain management includes a multi, multidisciplinary approach because pain is actually treatable and can be conquered. Thank you, Emil. What a powerful message. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, If I want you to hear this message. Pain is treatable and don't lose hope. I know when you're in pain, you, many of us lose hope, but don't lose hope. There are practitioners, there are doctors out there, like Dr. Balmaceda. We have practitioners like Lisa who can help you. We'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Palde Pharmaceutical Compounding is one of the nation's top compounding pharmacies. We work with medical professionals as well as consumers, both human and veterinary. If you're a patient or a doctor and need to consult us, please call us for a free consultation. Additionally, you may purchase carefully selected quality brand supplements and vitamins at discounted prices at hcompound.com. To schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Haldi or one of our associates, please email us at wellness at hcompound.com or call us at 646-650-5040. You can also check us out at hcompound.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Prescription for Success. If you'd like to reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wellness at hcompound.com. Now back to Prescription for Success. Welcome back to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. Today, I have two phenomenal guests with me. Lisa Ludovici is a medical hypnotist. You can reach Lisa through her website at lisaludovici.com. That's Lisa, L-U-D-O-V-I-C-I.com. We also have Dr. Casilda Balmaceda, who is now seeing patients, a practicing neurologist. You can reach Dr. Balmaceda at 212-927-3327. Earlier in our first episode, we had a great discussion on uh, topical pain management, various pain options uh, with neurological conditions and some herbal options as well. And Lisa, you started telling us how you ended up in the field of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So is the field of hypnosis a science? Is it an art? Tell us a little more. It is a science and it is an art. You're exactly right. Um, It is very well studied. It is actually the original form of healthcare. So if you go back to the first civilization of humans, the Egyptian civilizations, they used hypnosis and healing. They had what they called sleep caves. And the priests and the priestesses would run the sleep caves in the villages. And people would bring their family members, their neighbors, their loved ones themselves to these sleep caves in all sorts of pain and delirium and illness. And they would come into these dark sleep caves And the priests and the priestesses would whisper healing thoughts in their ear. Well, when we're in pain, emotional or physical, we're already in a state of hypnosis. The mind is wide open to positive suggestions. And that is what medicine was. So this is a complement to what we have offering today. Just like the doctor talked about earlier, whether it's acupuncture or Western medicine, it's another option, and it's to use in conjunction as an adjunct to somebody's care. So 95% of everybody who comes to see me is sent to me by their, their doctor. Um, if somebody comes and sees me and they have pain, they have migraines, and they're not under the care of a neurologist or a pain management specialist, I won't see them until the pain has been assessed by a doctor because pain is important. It's a message. We all have it. By being in a body with nerve endings and being just in life with emotions, we all signed up as human beings to have physical pain and emotional pain. And it's really feedback. 
that's what it is. So this modality has been used for a very, very long time. It is well studied. It was used in the Civil War. It was used in World War One and Two. whenever they ran out of anesthesia. Um, they used hypnosis. And it has been researched. There are tens of thousands of peer-reviewed studies that show this modality, hypnosis and hypnotherapy, to be a benefit to somebody's medical care and to their healing. Wow. So what is hypnosis? And is everyone susceptible to hypnosis? Well, good question. Hypnosis is simply focused attention on one thing without effort. So our body is relaxed. It doesn't mean we're home, you know, but our body is relaxed or our mind is highly focused on one thing. It's like meditation with a goal. It's the same brainwave state as meditation, deep prayer, um, daydreaming. When we're falling into a deep sleep, when we're coming out of a deep sleep, it's a theta brainwave state. We go in and out of it all day long. Every single one of us has been hypnotized for sure. I call worrying self-hypnosis for something negative to happen because you know when you're thinking about that terrible thing that's going to happen a week from next Tuesday, you feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your gut, you're up all night tossing and turning, you're sweating, your hands are clammy, you might start to get a headache and you know jittery stomach. Well, all of that is happening because of what's going on here. You know, you're still on the, your comfortable couch, but your body is experiencing these things. Chemicals are being expelled into the body for the body to react this way. So every single thought we have, every image that comes to our mind creates some type of chemical reaction in our body. You know, back in the, I remember a little, being a little girl in the 70s, I used to hear a lot about ulcers, you know. Someone would say, one of my friends, my dad is an ulcer. We can't eat that for dinner tonight. We can't eat beer. My mom tells my dad he can't have a beer because he is an ulcer. He's so stressed out, you know. We don't hear about ulcers any longer. We hear about IBS, Crohn's, stomach cancer. We've gone beyond the ulcer stage and some serious diagnosis is happening. Um, It's the same thing. Whatever is happening here shows up in the body because of the mind-body connection. And with the work that I do, what hypnotherapists and hypnotists do, is work with that connection to create a different environment for the body. Whether it's somebody is dealing with dis-ease, where the body is not at ease, there's chronic pain, um, uh, you know, regaining a natural sleep pattern. The mind and the body, we can't separate it. So the missing piece in our healthcare which we live in a wonderful time with all that is available to us. It is a beautiful time to be living. However, Western medicine, our healthcare system is the only one on planet Earth that has taken the mind out of the body in healing. We've gotten to the place where we go to the doctor and they look at our meat soup and they can prescribe these different treatments and medications and and so forth, and protocols. But what's happening here? And then we say, okay, go to your therapist. But we're missing the gap. We're missing the bridge because the mind and the body, you can't separate them in healing. We can't heal the body unless we address what's happening in the mind. 
that ulcer that that man in the 70s had didn't just show up one day because, you know, he had a bad day. There are stressors in his life. Maybe it's a bad divorce. Um, maybe there's a lot of things going on with work. There's two mortgages on the house. Um, and so it's really about getting into what's going on in your life, what's going on in the mind, and how that's affecting your life. Yeah. What's interesting is that very often people ask me, which vitamins do I take? Uh, which supplements? Mm-hmm. And of course, I recommend those to, 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 to my patients, my Absolutely. friends. But what's very, very important for all of us to realize, and, and by the way, we have to remind ourselves as well, that there is no ultimate healing when your mind is out of the picture, right? Because right. what you uh, ingest into your mind, what you put into your mind, that's way more powerful than supplements. A hundred percent. So it's, it's the connection, that uh, mind-body connection that you're so uh, uh, amazing at kind of digging in and really analyzing. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what hypnosis is, the mind-body connection? It is. In hypnosis, we address the essential component to healing. And when I say healing, I'm talking about when anybody is not at ease, there is a dis-ease. When we have migraines, when there's cancer in the body, when there's vertigo, um, chronic nerve pain, not sleeping, not having a natural uh, sleep pattern, uh, fertility issues, there is some type of something's going on in the body where we're not at ease. And with hypnosis, so let's talk about hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Hypnosis is a brainwave state. It's a natural altered state, as I mentioned, that we go in and out of all day long. And when we're in hypnosis, our focus is really on one thing. We're more aware of what's going on inside of ourselves. Our conscious analytical mind is open to allow positive suggestions into our subconscious mind. Hypnotherapy is getting to the same state, that hypnotic state, and then working on the cause. It's working more therapeutically with what's going on. Now, to understand the subconscious is really to understand your life, your emotional, physical, spiritual, and intellectual life. And I'm not sure about you. I'm not sure about your listeners. I was never taught about my own operating system. My operating system is my subconscious mind. I know a lot more about the operating system of my phone Mm -hmm. than I did of myself. And... The mind is the most powerful thing in existence. It's where our health lives, right? It is where our um, thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our behaviors, our beliefs live. And it's also where the autonomic nervous system lives, which is all the automatic controls of our body. So we have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. One is that rest and digest where everything's at ease, all the systems of your body are working in harmony, the immune system, the digestive system, the reproductive system. That's where we want to stay. That's where we want to be most often. The other side of that, the sympathetic, is the fight or flight. And that's where living in that state, which nowadays we often do, many people do, even at a low level, we cause disruption in our body our immune system suppresses our digestive system our reproductive system blood is shunted from the brain because when we're in fight or flight that natural reaction we don't need to think 
when we go into that reptilian state of fight or flee, we, if we turn around and say, hey, should I fight or flee? That saber-toothed tiger has already eaten us. Yes. So in order to keep the body healthy and balanced and to regain health, we must address where health lives. And it lives in the subconscious mind. Now, our thoughts, feelings, emotions, behaviors, beliefs are in the subconscious with our autonomic nervous system, all the automatic controls of our body. There is the mind-body connection. And that's science. Can't be disproven. Wow. So it's very interesting you talk about thoughts and our health mm-hmm. lives in the subconscious mind. And I'm, something that's very interesting as, as a, a, as a scientist, as a pharmacist, mm-hmm. we do clinical trials. And we compare yes. drugs to placebo. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see that a placebo effect is up to 50% of the effect, right? And it's very close to the actual drug. That tells yeah. you how powerful our minds are. That's right. And in fact, there is actually the opposite of placebo. It's called nocebo. Yes, it is. When people get so focused on the negative, the actually mm-hmm. negative health consequences are showing up. And yeah. it's a scientific fact. It's proven. It's documented. There's a nocebo effect. So That's right. that goes along the lines of uh, the discussion we're having, right? Yes. And I work a lot with the nocebo. And I'll share with you how that shows up. I've read the same studies about the placebo that it works up to 75% of the time. Some studies show. They also show, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, that even when the person knows, this is shown in studies, even when the person knows you are getting a placebo, here is your sugar pill. They know it and they still get better. Yes. No, it's a placebo. So the nocebo, what does that look like? I work with a lot of nocebos in my private practice. Nocebos look like um, a diagnosis, you have cancer. (gasps) A prognosis, people don't get better from this. You have six months to live. There was a study done with 272 people that had pain just like this. None of them got better, and they followed up six years later, and they didn't get better. You have to learn how to live with it. That is a nocebo, and I work with a lot of that. When I worked inside um, the world's largest healthcare system, uh, I saw a lot of that, and I had a lot of patients come to me and say, well, my doctor sent me and said, I just have to learn how to deal with it, and that it's mind over matter, and then they'll start to tell me, you know, I know I'm going to have this forever. How do you know? The doctor said, okay, so the next time somebody tells you what's going to happen in your body now, tomorrow, or for the next 20 years or for the rest of your life, stop the appointment and tell that person, listen, I don't really care what's going on. I've just met someone really important here who can tell me the future. Just tell me the lottery numbers. I'll pay the $2. We'll split it. We'll each buy an island and forget that this even happened, this appointment happened. Because nobody can tell you what's going to happen in your body, even if the study had 2,000 people in it. Everybody, like the doctor said earlier, everybody experiences pain differently. And there are several factors that come into play. We all heal in our own time. There is no one only um, magic path for somebody because if there was one magic path and it was pharmaceuticals or acupuncture or hypnosis, then that's all that there would be. So I fully support the integrative approach and I work in tandem with Western medicine doctors and acupuncturists and physical therapists and psychiatrists and psychotherapists and therapists of all sorts um, for this exact reason. 
Yes. I, I have a friend and uh, he was diagnosed with uh, um, thyroid cancer. And when the doctor uh, diagnosed him, he said, thank you for your diagnosis, but I will not accept your prognosis. And it's a very powerful Bravo. way to lead. Uh, and uh, this particular gentleman, he's, uh, has been diagnosed 10 years ago, and he still has his thyroid, and he's monitoring, and, and he's doing well. So That's very wonderful. powerful. Next time a doctor, this is to our listeners, tells you whatever diagnosis you're getting, thank, thank them for their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And thank you, but I will not accept your prognosis. Okay. And, if you, and you have options. Uh, I had a guest in this program, Alex Lubarsky. He is a passionate supporter of integrative and uh, functional medicine. And he told our listeners, if you've been to five doctors and you don't like the answers, go to five more. Mm-hmm. Go to 50, but keep fighting for your life. It's your life. Yeah. You lead it. That's so right. Very, and very powerful. I love what you said about diagnosis because the literal meaning of the word means two people who don't know. That's what diagnosis means. If you look at the root, two people who don't know. Wow. Prognosis is really just a guess. And I've heard many stories about people rejecting a diagnosis. When I do go to the doctor and I have tests or scans or something like that, I go in and I say, um, I would like to know the state of the union. You're the expert in reading this test and the results. Tell me what's going on, but please do not diagnose me because I, I don't want that in my subconscious mind, right? So I have a little bit of a different conversation with them knowing. Now, I also believe that when we are told the state of the union and um, when we do get the diagnosis, that's the point in our life where we do say, thank you, thank you, thank you, because now there's an opportunity to change your life. Because it just we don't heal just from the pill or the injection or the radiation or the hypnosis session, or the acupuncture, or the oils. Those are all wonderful things. However, there's something going on in that person's life that brought them here. There's a great book called When the Body Says No by Dr. Gabor Mate. There's another great book, um, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sampolsky, I believe it is. Uh, Don't hold me to that second name, but I'm close. (laughs) And it's about whatever's going on in your life, what we don't speak about, what the mouth does not speak, shows up in the body. Now, people will come in and, you know, maybe it's their first session, maybe it's their second session, and they're coming in because they have a cervical spine, a herniated disc, or sciatic problems, a cyst on the sciatic, and, um, you know, say, well, who's the pain in your neck? The answer comes immediately. And then, oh, wait, why did you ask me that? You know, who's, who's the pain in your back? Who's the pain in your butt? And the name comes out immediately because what's going on in their body tells me what's going on in their life. So it's about also um, making changes outside of the doctor's appointment, the hypnosis session. And with hypnosis, we're able to get to really what is going on so that they can address the things happening in their life, so they can become more in control of the sensations in their body, pain. Mm -hmm. And um, that's first and foremost really important because people who live in chronic pain don't feel like they're in control any longer. Their relationships are out of control. They're not sleeping well, which causes a whole other host of problems. Their mood is, you know, up and down and swinging all over the place. 
So it feels as though the pain is controlling them. Once we learn about the operating system or subconscious mind, once we learn self-hypnosis, the most powerful self-help technique known to humanity, and we start doing some sessions to get the body in that homeostasis, to get the functions of the body working the way it's designed to, the way it's created to, and then maybe even working at a deeper level of what's going on, what is the cause of these things happening? What's contributing to this? Wow. So is everyone susceptible to hypnosis? Uh, do you have patients who are not or everyone is benefiting from this potentially? Yes. So everybody and anyone who wants to go into hypnosis that has average mental acuity and above can and will. It is 100% participatory. I can't put them under or in hypnosis the accurate word is guiding someone into hypnosis, or you can put them in. However, they have to agree to it, right? I can't make somebody do something they don't want to do. If I could, I possibly would be doing a very different thing with my life um, and all the other hypnotists. So it is a voluntary experience. And there, if, if you don't want to, then you don't want to. I can't make you go against your will. And in fact, um, when somebody is in hypnosis, they, their senses get very heightened at times. Everybody has a different type of experience. You remember everything that's important to remember. Um, and some people will say, wow, that was really relaxing. Hypnosis can be relaxing. However, it's not relaxation. Um, hypnotherapy can be very um, liberating because we get to some deep issues in hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. that's where some serious healing happens. Yeah. So which conditions, medical conditions, do you use hypnosis for, or hypnotherapy? Well, um, I, I, I could challenge you to name as many as you can, and they all could walk through my front door, and there would be something to, to work with. So um, tinnitus, vertigo, uh, uh, nerve pain, cancer. Uh, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, um, IBS, fertility issues, uh, using hypnosis for um, a better birth, more comfortable birth, mm -hmm. um, broken bones, fear of MRIs, claustrophobia, um, before surgery, during surgery, after surgery, there's a lot of studies that show hypnosis to be a benefit to somebody before surgery where it saves um, medicine, less anesthesia, 10 to 11 minutes less for the surgical team. So it's less wear and tear for the doctor and the team, um, less wear and tear on the body. They heal faster. They spend 1.3 to 1.7 days less in the hospital, um, and which results in a, a great, great financial savings as well. And so they actually heal faster as well. All of these are documented in studies. I invite your audience to go to Google Scholar and type in whatever they may be dealing with or they're curious about. IBS and hypnosis, migraines and hypnosis, um, um, psoriasis and hypnosis, dermatological um, issues as well work. You know, if it's happening in the body, it can be addressed with hypnosis. I'm working with a woman who... who uh, was sent to me by her gynecologist 
she was talking about having floaters. And so she's like, I, I don't want to have them anymore. Okay, well, let's, let's work with this. I've worked with people with brain cancer, um, cerebral palsy, and the list goes on and on. It's really the limitation is whatever we create. Yes. So how does this work for pain or other conditions? Is that the mind-body connection that we discussed earlier, or there's a deeper science that's involved uh, somewhere in the process? Yes. So the mind-body connection is science. It can't be disproven. I agree. Period. Right. So pain is felt, let me rephrase that, pain happens in the brain, and then it sends the signal out to the body. So the pain is real. It's not just like, oh, it's in your mind. No, it's, it's real. I don't care if a doctor has an x-ray or an MRI to prove that the migraines are really happening because in 40 years I didn't have one scan that showed migraine pain, but I lived with them for 40 years just like all the people who come to me. The pain is always real. The pain registers in different areas of the body. So it's the perception of pain. When that chronic pain is happening, it's as though the brain is literally on fire. And we can change and ameliorate those perceptions through hypnosis. Because you know how whenever you're in pain, and this can be emotional pain or physical pain, it's like nothing else exists. We are so, you know, we don't think about eating. We don't think about anything. We're just so stuck um, and focused on one thing without effort. That's called hypnosis on the pain. And so whenever people are in chronic pain and they go to the doctor, they're already in a state of hypnosis. And now we have an authority figure, the doctor, who whatever is being said in that room, many times, not always, is taken as a suggestion, a hypnotic suggestion. And whatever is in our mind, a belief, a thought, a belief is just something we think over and over and over and over, we become that, right? Yes. So... Um, does that answer your question? Absolutely. Okay, because I could keep going on. Lisa, so. this is very, very interesting and powerful for a lot of patients who are facing multiple conditions, pain, autoimmune conditions. Yes. And the list goes on and on. Yes. Uh, we are having a really good discussion. I'm personally having a lot of fun. Uh, but I want to give you an opportunity for a 30-second second takeaway message for our listeners as our show is coming to an end. So mm -hmm. what's your message to our listeners? Thank you. This has been a wonderful opportunity. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, it's an honor to speak with you. The message is, and I'm echo the doctor's message earlier, that you do not have to live in pain. And there are solutions. And you are the center of your healing. You are the center of your health care. And nobody cares about your health more than you. And keep asking questions. Keep looking for what feels best for you. And I ask everybody to just consider if this sounds like something that resonates with you using the mind body connection and using this as an adjunct to the care that you're doing now, look into hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Please find a highly trained, highly skilled practitioner. And that is first and foremost important, where they are able to work with issues like this, medical issues. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much, Lisa. A special thank you to Dr. Balmaceda. To reach Dr. Casilda Balmaceda, you could reach her at 212-927-3327. Uh, to contact Lisa, you could reach her through her website at lisaludovici.com. To learn more about Haldi Pharmaceutical or to sign up for a consultation, give us a call at 646 
650-5040 or email us at wellnesshcompound.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this makes it a show. If you want to live a happier, fuller, healthier, and more fulfilled life, you need to be the CEO of your own health. You need to be guided by an amazing practitioner, but it's your life. You lead it. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be happy and healthy. Thank you for tuning in to Prescription for Success. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Emil Haldi, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of the program. Have a great and healthy week. Oh, 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 oh